right, welcome to Chihuahua Bat 2.0, Surviving in the Classroom. I'm Swan, and with me today is Mala. Hi, how are you? <laughs> and uh, quickly, Mala and I first met, we were, were colleagues and taught together for five or six years in the same school, and then we became the Chihuahua Bats. And we are retired now, but we still really want to advocate for the teacher in the classroom. It's it's really still our passion. Um, after retirement, Mala took up her painting seriously. and I did, and I even have some paintings in a gallery in Wimberley, Texas, and um, enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah, really successful. She said every day she gets a call, sold another one. So if you're into art, you really need to check that out. Uh, and for me, after retirement, I started writing. I was just kind of passionate to write about what teachers go through in the classroom. And so my first book, it was published in 2019, Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat, which is available on Amazon, or you can just go to my webpage, chihuahuabat.com, and, and find it there. And uh, this is uh, episode four, and today we really want to talk about a very special place that helped. Mala and I stay current in the language and the culture. Um, and I'm going to kind of start at the beginning, you know, as school ended every year, uh, most teachers like just wanted to go home and chill and veg. We totally got that. But uh, we, being crazy, would jump on a plane and head down to Cuernavaca, Mexico. And one of the cool things about Cuernavaca is it has like 20 or 30 language schools. Yes, they're excellent, too. Yeah. In fact, during the year, I've even taken students down, high school students down there, even though the majority, I would think students are college, of yes. college age. Right. And teachers in the summer. Teachers in the summer. And, and I do think some businesses, especially if they have Spanish-speaking clients, will also send employees down there as well. I right. think at one point they had sort of a business program. Well, I had a nurse in one of my classes. I had a lawyer one year mm -hmm. and a pilot. Oh, awesome. Uh -huh. I, I did. Think in most mm -hmm. of mine, it was pretty much educators. You would, a lot of Spanish educators would go down to practice their Spanish, which is what we did. We went to school mm -hmm. um, to study um, but we also lived with the family because we, we believe in like living the language, living in the country, and it kind of kept us authentic. Well, as for well. me too, Susan. I mean, I was teaching Spanish one and two, and I was just leveling out at that proficiency level. I oh, mean, me as well. Yeah, you have to get in country. You do because otherwise, we we felt like we talked baby talk a lot That's right. because in Spanish one, let's face it, you'd start with ABCs and one two threes and. Yeah. <laughs> And that was a pretty low-level world. So, yeah, I agree, Marla. We did have to go down and, and challenge ourselves. And the cool thing about the language schools is it's small classes. It's That's like right. a one to five. And I was in with adults, and she was too. And they're pretty good to level that out. Um, and so we really loved it. And then they would also, we kind of our day would, well, our day living with uh, Senora would start about 6.30 in the morning because there was this very reliable rooster. Oh, yeah. Ugh, that would crow every morning. He actually lived at the little home behind the hours, but um, no air conditioning. We slept with the windows open. So Mr. Rooster woke us up. He was our alarm clock. He was, yeah. Yeah. I sort of depended on him when we, I went back to the States, we, too. We did. What happened? Where yes. We? Although on Saturday morning, or one morning to sleep in, we, we sort of wished for a chicken dinner because <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, please, not today. But anyway. 
So that we would, but we would get up and we would eat with Senora and then we would get ready and then we'd go off to school and our school was about nine to one. Uh, typically you break for comida mm -hmm. and then they would offer, you know, you could do uh, like bark painting or weaving or, you know, mm -hmm. guitar. They would offer all kinds of fun classes, but uh, we were offered an opportunity to go volunteer and, uh, and teach the indigenous children. And there's mm -hmm. a wonderful group called Vamos. I think they're out of Vermont. And uh, their whole goal is to help the the poor or the indigenous children. And especially the street children yes. that are selling on the streets who cannot go to school because they're working. Mm -hmm. And also probably too poor to buy the uniforms to go into public school. Absolutely. And uh, definitely not the private schools. Oh, no. So, um, and I think, you know, birth certificates were some of the issues. Uh, it, yes, they were. And these children, of course, did not have them. No. And they it, were birthed in the house. That's it. Or they were out so remotely. And I think once a month, you know. That's true. Priests and doctors might venture out and give you the paperwork or not. So uh, sometimes that prohibited them. But this this wonderful group, Vamos, uh, would set up a school. And um <laughs> So, uh, you know, us jumping for the opportunity, sure, we'll go out and teach. So two afternoons a week after we did our normal day, we would uh, go out to this little school called Escuelita. And, and it wasn't in Cuernavaca. It was out in the way in the suburbs of a town called Sibac. And mm -hmm. at the time, Sibac was very industrial. It had like, uh, they made rum out there. And I think, um, was there a Ford? And the to uh, Toyota had also put yeah, a plant down there. Exactly. So it's very industrial. Um, and, sort of uh, dirty and, and full of a lot of rusty leftover junk. Yeah, yeah. And so we would go all the way out and we would jump on a little small commuter bus called a Ruta. And crowded crowded i mean like three mm -hmm. to four people to a seat and it, it wasn't unusual if a little child didn't fit we'd put them on our laps and bumpy so we rode out on this little ruta uh, we had to be at this little school by 3 30 and i think the ride was about 30 minutes and it, towards the end we left the, the cement and we were just on a bumpy dirt road that's right I mean, bouncing, literally, you know, and, and Mala with her motion sickness. It was, yeah. it was touch and go there. <laughs> it was touch and go. She had to yeah. sit by the window just yeah. in case. Nobody wanted to sit by me. Exactly. To say the least. Yeah. <laughs> and so we we finally get to our destination, and we're, we're kind of looking out the window, and we were looking. They said, you're just going to climb up this little hill. And we went, oh, oh that's, that's, so that's a mountain. That's not a hill. <laughs> You know, what do we know? We're from the States. And so we go, you know, traipsing up this hill, literally on all fours at some point, because, you know, the rocks are wiggling. and Oh, yeah, it was steep. <laughs> it was. And we we're like, we're not going to fall because they'll laugh at us. But uh, we were warned, though. We had to take the 630 Ruta back or else we'd be stuck in this little town. So that's sort of the good news of this little town. Um, you know, when we got to the dirt road part, um, and you could hear kind of the chatter on the bus, there was sort of a silence because now we were in the part where the people that literally poor lived and they would use the crates from the auto That's factories right. mm -hmm. or just like refrigerator boxes. I mean, they just trash became their homes and, I think I remember, you know, asking, I was like, well, 
what do they do when they rain? Do you I remember know. that story? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I mean, things just wash away, too. Well, they do, and they, they, they said, oh, we just dig a trough yeah. so that the water runs under it. Yeah. I was like, well, that's smart. I wouldn't have even thought of that. I'd been like, I can't live here. It's raining. Mm -hmm. So, um, but as we drove that road, it, it really got to me that I was looking into someone's home. I know, just that's a, it, like a, yeah, no privacy. None really. whatsoever. And sometimes they would be praying, you know, together. Mm -hmm. It'd be like a T-shirt, I guess, put up. I don't know if it was like stapled. a curtain, don't you? Yeah, know? like a curtain. Just anything to kind of mm -hmm. make it homey. And we were just blown away. No running water, no electricity. You no. could see they were like, if they had any, it was pirated. Wires were just but you know, all Susan, over. Their little dresses and their little aprons. And their little shirts were white and clean as can be. I don't know how in the world they did it. I don't know either. But they were super clean. The little and, children and, were clean, yes. And when, you know, I would look look in, I probably shouldn't have, but mm -hmm. I looked in the house because so curious. The dirt floors sparkled. They were clean. It was almost like they swept the dirt. They swept and swept and swept. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was wow. A, yeah. It was eye-opening for us. And, you know, you think you know what poverty is and you know i had not seen anything that no. dire in my life so that that was an eye-opener but anyway back to the school we're climbing up the mountain and as we're climbing up we can see some families from the community they're like bringing plastic lawn chairs mm -hmm. in and tables so this little escuelita was nothing more than just a big cinder block room that's right concrete force well, for me, that was deja vu. <laughs> I had that back in the States one year, just one year. But uh, so they were bringing that in. Otherwise, you just had a you know a little concrete building. And um, so we never knew how many children. One day we can't. There was 96 mm -hmm. one day, 78, 82, because it's not like a public system where you're counting no. for each no child. Attendance. No. no, that was refreshing. And honestly, the children were allowed to come if the parents allowed them to stop mm -hmm. selling. Like sometimes during siesta, they would um, stop selling. But, you know, if it was spring break and a lot of tourists were in, they wouldn't let them come off the street. So anyway, I think that the thing we loved the most was when we got there, and they did have some regular volunteers at this little school, and it had just opened, so it was a big deal to get people to volunteer and go That's out because right. they did not have the funds or the means to hire people, um, and I could see why. But anyway, mm -hmm. they um, – uh, Well, the first thing we had to do with so many students, we had to figure out what groups they should be oh, put in. Yeah. That, oh, that was, yeah, I lost my thought. They were going to – they said, so what do you all think? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. And we said, well, you probably should, you know, find out what they know and group mm -hmm. them. And so and so we did. And I thought it was so refreshing that, you know, no curriculum initiative, no write this. Proposal. And it wasn't a scary thing. It was like, oh, yeah. hey, you know, how many of you guys can do the ABCs? You know? Right. And can you do it? And they showed off. Okay, great. Yeah. Watch your step. You be with Cheryl. Right. You be with Malo. Yeah. <laughs> That's my other How name. many can write their names? Yeah. yeah. You be Show with, me. Yeah, yeah. Swan and so yeah. forth. And we just sort of played a game where they go back and forth. Well, I can't. Oh, I can't. And then the mother sort of helped us too. The she volunteer did. mamas. They kind of knew yeah. some of the yeah. skills in there, which yeah. was nice. Because yeah. we had to do it quickly, really. Yeah. Quickly. You just walked in and they said, okay, group them and go. Yeah. 
So that was a little bit hard. But anyway, I, I just remember what fun it was sitting on the floor with all these little children sitting around you. And mind you, a lot of them had their siblings and diapers on their laps and mm-hmm. didn't matter. We all sat there and learned. Uh, I think for supplies, it was basically tracing paper, mm-hmm. map pencils, and coloring books. Mm-hmm. No crayons because of the heat that wouldn't have lasted. And the tracing paper, you didn't have to buy so many coloring books. They would just trace the pictures ah. or the letters or the numbers you know, that's or whatever. About that. That's Thank you. That's, that's what a, that was. That and, was that memory, yep. Yes. And so... Uh, so we that was one of the things when we went back, we were very adamant to make sure that people brought supplies That's right. to them. And if we couldn't bring it in country, we would go buy it. We'd just go down mm. to the market and get it. And so I know that uh, one time I was moved to a little bit older group because I think they would the younger ones would get to go out. They'd have a little bit of a recess. Yes, they did. They would. And, and so, they play song games. That's they what, did. That's what I love. It too. was cute. And so I was working with some of the older kids and they needed math skills. And one of the challenges with these kiddos is that most of them spoke Nahuatl, which is the indigenous Aztec language or mm. form of, and then mm-hmm. some spoke Spanish. Really, it was sort of a blended language. It was blended, yes. And then some knew some English because their their audience were tourists, and many yeah, of them were English-speaking. They, they did. They sold the all markets. their wares. Mm-hmm. So they kind of needed help with their math skills because they were having to make change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, some of the tourists were real intimidated because they didn't know the language or they thought the kids were being aggressive mm-hmm. or something. Or so, cheating them. Well, Oh, yeah, and cheating was a big deal. So we really worked on math skills with that group mm-hmm. to make sure that they understood the numbers and how to make change and things like that. So I thought that was just kind of cool to say, what is it you sell? Well, mm-hmm. I sell jewelry. All right, well, how much is this? How much exactly. is that? And somebody exactly. said, I, I sell warachis. Okay, cool. How much do you sell those for? Mm-hmm. Just the little wooden violins or the ceramica. They all sold, you know, pottery and stuff like that. So I thought that was cool. To take what they really needed. and uh, They did feed them a meal, though. Right. And so then once everybody's done with their learning, I would say about an hour, hour and a half. They got a little bit 30-minute recess, and then they would feed them like Mm -hmm. a little caldo and juice. A little caldo and juice. Right. And one of the interesting stories was about the vitamins. Yes, yes, because uh, we were asked as students going into this language school, yes. hey, when you come down to Mexico, bring some vitamins right. for the indigenous children. Right. So we had a lot of vitamins. We did, yes. But the story is, sadly, yeah. that the parents really, you wouldn't send the vitamins home with them because the parents did not want them to have vitamins because it would make them hungry. Yeah, it increased their appetite. It would increase their appetite. And they could only oh. feed them one meal a day. And that, so, that, that pretty much broke my heart right yeah. there. And so, but, you know, but, to get around it, they started putting vitamins in the juice. Juice. So the so, little children were getting them. We just couldn't send them home with the no, Flintstone vitamins no, anymore. No. Yeah, and I think probably some of the parents sold the vitamins if they needed money. Uh, I really do. Because sure. we're talking... Poverty, so survival, right? So we got there, we grouped them, we taught them, and they went to recess, and then they they got to eat their little you know caldo and jugo, and then they would do a little give thanks to God song. We praise Mm -hmm. God for our gifts, and towards the end of the song, they turned around when they were saying praising God for our precious gifts, and they were pointing to us. Yes, they clapped, and we were just like, oh my god, oh my god, you don't have to thank for us and so you know the kids hugged us and waved goodbye you know bat ladies and uh, 
we head down the mountain and, you know, to get on our little ruta at 6.30. And I tell you, we we got on that little bus and... In silence. Total. We couldn't... We couldn't talk to each other. No. It was like mm-hmm. I couldn't process what I had just... No, I couldn't either. ...been through. It's like I don't, I don't even know how to talk about this. And even, you know, we got back to Senora's and we would typically have some tea and pastries with her in the evening and... Even then, you know, of course, she was worried about us going out there because it, it was not a good part of town, um, as you can imagine. But uh, but we were home in daylight. That that didn't bother me. But the, to try to explain to her just what we saw. That's right. It really got to us. And, you know, and she tried mm-hmm. to make us feel better. She's like, oh, no, no, you're doing them such a great service. But mm-hmm. still, it, 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 it affected us. Um, when, when we went back home. We were in our classroom, and the day was long and hard, and the students were a little difficult. Yes, and we were, <laughs> and we were tired of the, yes. you know, all the rigmarole and rules oh, that we had yes. to do and fill out forms and so forth. We sat down and we said, you know what? "Let's remember Escuelita." Yes, because Escuelita. that was a treasure, a real teaching experience. It really was. And I think for both of us, we were like, wow, it really exists, a place where you can go and just teach. That's right. Just teach without any of you. How are you going to validate this? How are you going to assess this? Mm -hmm. It was so refreshing. And it was also refreshing to be able to take kids and understand what their world was, which Mm -hmm. vendors, they they walked the streets, I mean, from age three till they die. To understand what they needed and be able to work on that. In other words, take and, their world. And you said something that was really important when we went back to the market. Yes. After teaching, say, two, we or, did. two, two or three days later, and you yeah. saw the little ones. We're talking yeah. little ones. We're talking little ones. And I was like, you know, who needs a standardized test to see that, you know, the kids are learning because we would watch them sell mm-hmm. and they would be so excited and they would come over That's you right. know, and they would tell us, they'd go, look, 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 senora, you know. And so it was so refreshing to see that what we had done had really helped them. Help them to sell, help them yes. to greet the tourists. Right. Uh, also some nuances about being polite. Polite, you yes. know. Right. And not too aggressive. Right. Because some of them were so desperate for money that they would just buy, you know, hey, miss, hey, miss, you know, uh-huh. buy my things. And we had to say, you know what, let's let's do it a different way. Mm-hmm. But I thought, how wonderful. Because our philosophy is, you know, bring the language to the student's world if you want them to That's really right. connect. And so we actually got to do that. And yeah. so... Um, Cuernavaca has always been a special place. I think it made us better teachers because we went back. Obviously, we, we got did. summer after summer. We did, and we would create our, you know, our units. We talked about two in the last episode, but we did millions based on uh-huh. you know what we did while we were in Cuernavaca. So, and one, I think, and one nice thing I think we did too is we brought our families down there. We did, so they could understand understand exactly what it was and they went to language class as well mm-hmm. and uh, they, my kids learn spanish on the streets so i used to say don't ever tell them your mom's a spanish teacher That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's and right. don't tell them where you learn the language because um well my one of my sons um he is a, a supervisor for a cement company and his crews are spanish speaking and he's mm-hmm. fluent That's yeah and when he went to school though i was like uh, you know, he could speak it, and he 
probably knew a lot of the bad words too, obviously, when you're on the streets. But, you know, the writing was That's an right. issue. And I didn't force the writing in the beginning. I wanted mm-hmm. them to get that, mm-hmm. the conversational down, the listening, speaking, because that's the hardest part. That is so that's part. what I, so I said, no, nah, if you can't write it so well, all right. Yeah, don't. <laughs> right. Don't, yeah, don't so tell that So challenge to you is, mm-hmm. or to you all, right, is to get as authentic as you can get. Absolutely. And uh, if you're able, mm-hmm. take a couple weeks every summer, yeah. go to a language school. Yeah. We, we think everybody needs a, an Esquilita moment uh-huh. in their lives. Just an injection. Or if your church right. offers a mission trip. Go for it. Yes, mission trips. That's you know, it, so it's, cool. It really will help you. It will. It'll really make you so appreciative of what you have. And mm-hmm. I think it'll make you a better steward for others I do too. in need. I, I do, do too. too. All right. There's that compassion you need. There it is. There mm-hmm. you go. So I think that wraps up episode four. Um, we're so excited to get to talk with you again. If you have any comments or questions, you can go to podbeam.com and, uh, post your questions and concerns there. We'll be glad to address them. And as we say, Say, dare to be a a Chihuahua Chihuahua bat bat and have a Chihuahua Chihuahua bat bat day. day.